You are Locked On Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Locked On Lakers for Friday. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them that Locked On sent you. Uh, Andy, you know what's tired? Big twos. You know what's wired? Big threes. threes. That's right. Um, Holy bleep. The Lakers, say what you will about this, and we have a lot to say about it. Uh, The Lakers acquired Russell Westbrook on draft day Thursday in a monumental deal. Bigger, I think, even than a a blockbuster. I, I um, I, I think it's underselling it to call it a blockbuster, Andy. Um, we're going to talk about what we like about it, what we don't like about it, you know, hint at maybe what we think is coming next. But let's start here. What was your reaction when you heard this? Because for me, at least, this was sort of as crazy a day in terms of the way the news unfolded. I think I've experienced with the Lakers since like the day that Chris Paul was a Laker for 45 minutes. Yeah, the, I mean... Russell Westbrook is a seismic event in and of himself. Like he, he is a human earthquake, you know, in terms of just the energy. I don't mean that I, I recognize right now that feels like loaded language because an earthquake is a disaster. But I just mean in term, I just mean in terms of the overall force. You know, if you prefer a tsunami, if you prefer a tornado, whatever, whatever force of nature it comes in and he shakes your china up. Here's the problem. I got you. I understand what you know. No such he, thing as a force. What of you're nature. trying to avoid is the connotation that we have now reached disaster. Right. You know, and the posture is, in L.A. There, there's really no such thing as a as a force of nature event that is inherently positive. That's just the way the world works. <laughs> but but what was funny about this though, Brian, is like. This didn't come out of left field. This is something that had been talked about for a week or so. We addressed it on a podcast. The whole show about this last week. Exactly. Uh, You know, the the rumors that that this was already in pretty heavy discussions before it went into overdrive today. And even with the knowledge for like a week or even two weeks that this is something that was on the Lakers' radar, it still doesn't compare to the feelings of when it actually happens. Yeah. It's, it's like that scene in Django Unchained when Calvin Candy says, gentlemen, you had my curiosity, but now you have my attention. Like, yeah. that's us to the Lakers' oh. front office. All right, so in case you... I, the I, the idea that I have to lay this out for somebody who has clicked on this podcast, like they do not know what I'm about to tell you, seems a little odd, but I guess the, the rules say it's Russell Westbrook and two second-round picks. That mm-hmm. 2028 one's looking pretty sweet right now. For we'll Mike Garcia on next week to break right. up. Might be on the radar. <laughs> Contavious Caldwell-Pope, uh, Kyle Kuzma, Montrez Harrell, who opted in just for this, uh, and uh, the, the the 22nd pick in Thursday's draft, which turned into someone, and I have no idea because I don't care because it's not a Laker. So what was crazy about this, though, is that, there, like I said, there was this push-pull here because the news came almost – the Trez part of this is really important because the news came – 
early in the afternoon that Montrezl Harrell was going to opt into what amounts to his $10 million option for his final year. Hugely important for the Lakers because it, it allows them then to include him in a trade. And Shams at the Athletic, Sham Sharania, instantly said, like, hey, all right, Montrez is in. The Lakers are constructing a deal for Buddy Heald. Yeah. You and I have been big proponents of that in terms of, like, this makes a lot of sense. And it looked like it was Kuzma and Trez, no pick. Lots of details to the workout. But at the time, it was those two, and they get to keep the pick. Buddy Heald comes. I'm thinking to myself, that is about as masterful as you can do with the ammunition the Lakers have. Even understanding that Buddy is not a perfect player. I get all that. What was it like three and a half minutes later? All of a sudden, it was like, oh, by the way, actually, it's Westbrook. And that was Shams and it was Woj. And then it went from, hey, they're talking about this to this is done. Like, done, done, done. And I was, I, I, I've been trying to process it since Thursday afternoon when this became official. And there's, I'm, there's weeks worth of stuff I, I'm still going to have to work out. Well, I mean, in terms of the, the decision between Buddy Heald versus Russell Westbrook, and, and there's, no, there's no reason to believe that this was not serious between the Lakers and the Kings, because this is also something that had been talked about for a while. And Absolutely. Reported by a lot Absolutely. Of these were real conversations being had, and this was also something that, as you said, made a lot of sense for the Lakers. I, I think in a lot of ways it comes down to the idea of whether you value more the idea of one elite skill set, in Buddy Heald's case, shooting, that the Lakers desperately need, but everything else in the case of Heald, he does somewhere between average to below average to defensively awful. Right. You know, something like that versus Russell Westbrook, who doesn't necessarily shore up a lot of glaring areas of need, but is way better at more things than healed. No question. Way, He's a better player. Better. Russ is a way I mean, better player than Buddy wait, It's It's not even close. Fit issues aside with the Lakers, it's not even close who's better. No, it's much possible. better player. Now, my answer to that is, honestly, for what they have and where they are, and we'll talk about why and all that, I had done the heel deal before the Westbrook deal for a lot of reasons. But let's start here because you know, Russell Westbrook is a Laker, or going to be, I guess, on August 6th, I think, or it's either the 2nd or the 6th, the earliest they can do this. What do you like about this? Let's start with that because while both of us have serious questions and reservations about this, I do want to start here because Westbrook is still excellent and he can do a lot of good things for the Lakers um, and represents certain things about the Lakers, which I think I like. So let's start there. What do you like about it, Andy? One of the things that actually dawned on me today when I was thinking about this more, Brian, in terms of you know, just everything Westbrook could bring to the table, a big issue the Lakers have had the last couple of years during the LeBron era is the drop-off that happens offensively when LeBron is not on the court. Sometimes drastically like just in seconds like all of a sudden oh the, num the numbers are awful like right. the, the, just, the lakers offense without lebron is is bottom of the league and everything just collapses and i think that is actually something that could be alleviated with westbrook not just because of his talent and his ability to get others involved his ability to score the pressure he puts on defenses you know but specifically because of the similarity in style between him and LeBron. And we talked about this before in terms of 
the redundancy factor between them. And that's something that's going to have to be addressed when they're on the court together. And there are a lot of question marks about how they're going to do that. That is going to be, you know, glass half full, a fascinating experiment to watch. But when LeBron is actually off the court, one reason I think this actually could be really beneficial for the Lakers, it's not just Russ's talent, it's the style. Like, this is the first guy you can bring in who will actually be replicating in a lot of ways LeBron's style on the court. Like we've mentioned before, he's kind of like a poor man's LeBron at this stage of his career, which you could do a hell of a lot worse than. But I think there it might be more seamless now when Westbrook is on the court without LeBron versus what we've seen with everybody else. Right. You can you can make LeBron. an assumption that at this point pretty much always two of the three between Westbrook, Davis and LeBron will be on the floor always. Like yeah. you can you can arrange it to where that is something that can happen. And you're right, with those second units having Westbrook there as opposed to Schroeder um is going to make a significant difference. Something else I like about this is like you can't you cannot accuse the Lakers of not looking at the next two years where you have LeBron under contract and you know still at a at an elite, elite, elite level, but looking more mortal than perhaps he did before, and not say that they don't recognize it. Like you got to go win this thing now. Both of us have been spending the summer going. If you have to choose between win now and possibly mortgaging the future a little bit, you know something that he. You do win now. You do yeah. everything you can to try to take advantage of it now. I don't know if it's this like is the right the thing. Did down the stretch of Kobe's career pre Achilles, they took some big swings and they did not all work. And we both feel those were the right decisions. Absolutely, the they were defensible decisions. Absolutely, and you know this one isn't as natural to me as you know signing Steve Nash and 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 uh, trading Dwight for Howard. Dwight or you know. And all that stuff, but I, I I like that where their headspace is at least in terms of like no we have to go win now, and you know I for somebody who sat there and praised them for not sitting on the title team and saying you know what we just want a title let's just run it back and see what happens, you know I I do th- I think they've overcorrected in a lot of different ways in terms of the amount of talent they brought in, but they're not sitting on they're not going to sit there and say, "Look guys, we were 21 and 6 when people started to get hurt. They they think they need to get better and goddamn, man, they they are they are going to try to do that." Yeah. Let's 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 take a quick let's do this quick. Um we'll take a there break a and come more, back because there are potential positives that I want to Right, exactly. I think there are other things that Westbrook does that will t- that will help them next year. Before we address some questions. Yes. <laughs> the optimists get to come first and if you yes. just want to turn it's like it's like if you don't want to know how old Yeller ends just turn off the podcast and as far as you know the Westbrook trade was seamless <laughs> it was fantastic and it guarantees the Lakers will win. We'll do that next. All right, so we talked some about, you know, obviously the sort of the philosophically what it means to go get Russell Westbrook. Um, you you are taking a big effing swing here, and you know, to some degree, I just I respect that. I'll tell you something this else. Is a home, this is a home run derby 
on all the cocaine swing. Yeah. I mean, like <laughs> this is like you are drugged out of your skull. But it's also too like it's dirt. it's only like it's as if oh, the home runs only count if you hit it 500 feet. Like yeah. a 475 foot oh, foot home no. run does not count. If here. it does not leave the stadium, it doesn't, doesn't count. count. Doesn't count. And so the other thing I like about this, it's fascinating. I mean, like from a things to talk about, things to be interested in, things to watch. It may not always be pretty, but a things to watch. Um, like you know, whatever the the rating, it's off the charts. Because let's be honest, the Lakers. They pick up Buddy Heel. They maybe get a couple things. Most of the the regular season becomes, yeah, this looks pretty good. God, I hope nobody gets hurt. And to when some degree, that still starting? holds true. When are the but, playoffs start? Right until the playoffs start, and then. But now it's like we've got stuff to watch and look at and analyze and break down and and pull our well, not pull our hair out, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, but you know, metaphorically, like. Next year just got a lot more interesting. There's no question about that. I mean, look, you and I are Angelinos. What do Angelinos love to watch more than anything? Car chases. Police <laughs> chases, car chases, and they always end in car wrecks. Either way, though, they are entertaining. Hopefully, yeah, they're good for ratings. Hopefully, um, yeah, I mean, a, a, a police chase on you know your local Channel Nine like that. Everybody will watch the hell out of that. As you as you've pointed out, Andy, what are we all about here on this show? Algorithms. Well, yes. The algorithms just got very yes, strong. They, yes, <laughs> the this they year. did. All right, Thank but let's let's much. look at on the court um, um, because I, there are ways and places where adding Westbrook, who is still an excellent player for, you know, he is deeply excellent and also deeply flawed. Um, there are places where he will absolutely help the Lakers. Um, one thing that I think Westbrook will do that you saw was missed last season, and, and granted, last season everything has to be taken with a certain grain no of salt because of all the injuries in the second half. But the Lakers, when they during the championship season, they were at their most elite offensively when they were in transition, and yes. you know it was a night and day difference with transition versus everything else. Yes. Westbrook helps keep them in transition. And for all of the things that need to be figured out on the court when you have LeBron and Westbrook together and like what does Russell Westbrook as a secondary or thirdary ball handler, you know, what does that look like? Those two, those two on the court together will create a shit ton of transition opportunities. And yes. this team running you know, we missed it last year. Like that was something this team missed. And I think they, they are, by definition, if you're bringing in Westbrook, you are looking to speed yourself up again. And I think that is for the betterment of this team, especially because in my estimation, there is no way, Brian, that this can work unless Anthony Davis is going to play the majority of his minutes at center. A, because they're going to need to find more shooting to put on the court with him, but B, you just need to be faster. And yeah, you do. Although I will say, ironically, currently the only other guy that they have on the floor who is a credible shooter from three-point range happens to be their center. Yeah, <laughs> so, I know. I know. So I, I still think, like, today, if you he'll were throw, to start, He'll throw the outlet passes that get either Westbrook or, you know, 
uh, LeBron going. And then well, I mean, look, I mean, as, 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 you know, but to, to your point, like even if Gasol ends up starting, you know, and is a you know nominal starter, fifteen minute a night guy, like you want to talk about triggering the break. You have one of the great passers as a center. Um, you know, get the ball, move it. You know, Westbrook, you know, is an elite rebounder for any position. If LeBron and Westbrook are running the lanes for a Gasol outlet pass, that is going to put defenses on tilt. Right. So there's that. The rebounding aspect of I think is, is, you know, really important to have a guard who rebounds like Westbrook does, I think is, is a great tool for the Lakers to have. And as much as his shooting is problematic, and even his finishing at the rim with the free throw issues and all that, he is still an excellent. You know, he's still a a, a capable and threatening offensive player, just because he is still so relentless and so able to get to the you know to the basket, put pressures on defenses that way. He is an elite playmaker. I was looking at you know some of the data as I always do. You go to Cranjus McBasketball Tim underscore NBA. Uh, b-ball index guys and you know he was breaking down some of russ's uh numbers there as a playmaker he is in the top three or four guys in the league and the lakers really need that and as much as the fit is weird uh it is deeply deeply weird and problematic in a lot of ways to have another guy who is an elite level passer and playmaker to play next to lebron james mm-hmm. like you know, James Harden, same kind of there were moments where that looked really good. You know, Harden Westbrook together as two elite playmakers, and now you're adding Anthony Davis to that as a guy that you can make plays for. I mean, there are going to be times when when cool stuff happens on the floor, and and Westbrook is going to be central, I think, to a lot of that stuff. He's too good not to be important for a lot of that stuff. Yeah, there, there are no question. There, there is. A lot to be uh, worked out, and I believe we're about to shift into uh, that particular mode. Can we but, can we do one more thing that I like? Sure, do it. I just like you know how like Frank Vogel used to talk about like Rondo's swag factor. Yeah. Oh yeah. Westbrook brings a level of swag to this team and a level of just sort of physical toughness and stuff like that. I'm not saying these guys were soft or something last year. Kuz is soft. Case No. Mantras, Harold, these are not soft people. But in terms of the leadership of your team, he's going to add an element where you have both credibility as a player who is a Hall of Fame level player who has done some things in this league. Um, next to LeBron, next to AD, and I think it does take some of the some of that sort of have an edge pressure off of AD. Not necessarily in how he plays, because you have to be even more aggressive. I think now, but in terms of how he needs to operate. Um, so there's some things I kind of like about the chemistry potential chemistry here, because you know LeBron signed off on this, and you know AD signed oh, off on this, or there is a zero percent chance it would have happened. So I mean I I love I love Russell Westbrook the player and I have a, you know I think he's an awesome dude too like literally a good dude but also just fascinating guy with the off the court stuff with a genuine they're very we all talk about how like oh I don't care what other people think of course we all do except Russell Westbrook who really does Westbrook care and Andrew and Rasheed Wallace that's it those that's three, it those are the three guys uh, one final positive um, in terms of 
you know, new faces next year, new vibe, all that stuff. Uh, going from Kuzma to Westbrook is about as seamless a transition fashion-wise as you could have on this team. Kuz can just leave that mesh shirt thing that he wore on <laughs> Christmas like in his locker, and Westbrook can just take it. The carve in there, Kuz was here. <laughs> Shawshank. Like Shawshank. I, uh, yeah, I mean, okay. Let's get to the rest of it. Um, the, the the Lakers were. I will say this: the Lakers were excellent. Were go, are going to be an excellent. You've team had your positivity, you Pollyannas. Right. Now, the Lakers were going to be an excellent. I will leave it on this though, because before we get into the stuff that I don't like, the Lakers were going to be are going to be an excellent team next year. Because they were going to be an excellent team anyway. Um, so the question is: is this the sort of thing that you do that makes it easier or harder for them to win a title? Uh, we will talk about that next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. Bars covered in 100% chocolate, soft. They're easy to chew, not like the ones that require like a hammer and a chisel. If Russell Westbrook was a protein bar, he'd be one of those. Like you couldn't chew a Russell Westbrook bar. Right. And I mean, <laughs> as, much, as much respect and admiration as we have for Russell Westbrook as a player, he's just not meant to be a protein bar. Oh, being Built a terrible bar. tasting protein bar is a compliment. Yeah, in this particular context, yes. But built bars, they taste great. They're healthy. They're great if you're trying to lose or maintain weight, but you still want something that tastes awesome, low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. They're great for keto diets. You've got the 12 original flavors like raspberry, coconut almond, salted caramel, banana bread, new flavors including cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, cookies and cream. They're just they taste great, awesome flavor combinations. You're never going to feel bored like you're eating the same thing over and over. So go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, you get 15% off your first order. Again, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Okay, so here come the caveats, Andy. Things can change between now and August 6th, I believe it is, when they can, when they, this trade can be made They're official. They have to. They've got like four people on this roster. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, obviously, things can change in free agency. Things can change in the terms even of the deal. More yeah. teams could be added. No, guys there's some, can be there's some scuttlebutt uh, among NBA media that this could this deal could actually get expanded. So yes, sure. Why that. not? Um, and I, I excellent use of scuttlebutt. Um so let's start with it, but there's, there's stuff about this that makes me nervous. Uh, let's start with the, the 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 things that everybody's talking about. Russell Westbrook, a terrible shooter. Yeah. I mean, a god, the thirty one and a half percent that he shot last year um, from three point range is the second highest figure he's had since the 2014-2015 season. This is not hyperbolic when I say this, Brian. He is one of the worst outside shooters in NBA history. Yes. Like that is not hyperbolic. No, it's, it, it is a factual statement. Right. When you take into account uh, volume and percentages, he is as bad an outside shooter as this league has ever seen. All right. So you may have noticed when last we spoke, Andy, the Lakers had a shooting problem. Mm -hmm. um, so not only did they bring in Russell Westbrook, who is a terrible three-point shooter, they shipped out two of their better guys in Kyle Kuzma and Contavious Caldwell Pope. So they went they, they are a they went from being a bad shooting team to now a worse shooting team than they were before. Um, so the spacing, I mean, I, I there are a lot of people 
around NBA Twitter, analysts, whatever, who are much smarter about this stuff than I am. Um, I kind of keep waiting for them to be like, oh, yeah, you can solve the space. None of them have said that yet. <laughs> um, <laughs> nobody seems to have the magic formula for how this shooting thing, as the Lakers are currently constructed, is going to work. The spacing is going to be a problem with these three guys. It just is. Can I make a bold prediction? Go. You know how the last couple of years the Lakers have brought in guys to be shooting specialists, and for the most part, it just hasn't panned out. Like guys who've come in and have been really good in the past. Like this is where yes. you know they've made their money. And other than like really KCP, none of them have been able to hit shots on a regular basis. There have been though a couple of weird anomalies, like. Rajon Rondo in the playoffs, not known ever in his career as an outside shooter. Rondo actually became a pretty good outside shooter for the Lakers. Lance Stevenson arrived as a terrible three-point shooter. His one season with the Lakers, he was like 38%. Russell Westbrook is going to be the bizarro shooter that comes to the Lakers and actually can make outside shots like he's, he's gonna, gonna be he's gonna, his guy. russ's career so what you're saying is book it russ's career high is 34 percent from three he's going to shatter that next year i'm you know what i'm gonna say he's gonna be the bizarro version of everybody else that comes to staples center and gets sucked into this vortex 37 percent. nice there you go i like it um the other thing that i don't like about russ is that I, I am concerned I about is terrible about this prediction. He <laughs> nobody's going to remember. Um, he is he is growing more efficient, ever, inefficient, I should say, every year. Whether you're talking about his efficiency at the rim, where he still you know is a good finisher, um, and he still gets to the rim a lot, and he's you know a relentless force in that way, he is less efficient finishing there than he used to be as a free throw shooter. He is declining. Um, significantly he used to be in the in the 80s. Now he's in the 60s, pretty routinely. You know, low 70s, high 60s. Oh, weird, uh, that man. is not good. It it's very strange. Like what's happened to him as, as a free throw shooter? Like I've seen some speculations, and I don't remember the exacts of what it was. But there was a rule change that messed with Russell Westbrook's routine. And like Russell Westbrook is notoriously OCD. Like he right. is OCD about everything, like in ways that would make Rain Man be like, dude, like seriously, get it. Lighten up. <laughs> and like it's been speculated that ever since that, that's when his free throws, you know, started Maybe. just falling into the toilet. That being said, though, his his worst percentages are like 66%. And he's had two recent seasons in the 70s. Like that would actually be if he was in the seventies, it'd be okay. But the six, the ones in the six, the, the trend is definitely down from when you know he, in the, he's had two seasons in the last four in the seventies and two, ironically, exactly the same, sixty five point six percent. Yeah. The other thing that I find really troubling about Westbrook, and this is I think more problematic for the for the conversation that we are having about the Lakers, which isn't are they elite? Obviously, they are. They were elite before. They're still elite. It's what does this mean for the playoffs? As inefficient as Westbrook is during the regular season, he, his last few postseasons have been catastrophically yeah, bad in that regard. He's been and hurt at times during. He it, has, to be fair, but you can you can come up with a. But in the playoffs, when teams can scheme more, I mean, look at what the Lakers did. 
two years ago. Basically, like when Harden had the ball, they ignored Westbrook completely. You know, like you can, you know, or if you have the ball, like now, so either he's going to be off the ball, I would completely ignore the guy, or you set up a situation where to maximize Westbrook's ability, you put the ball in his hands. Well, that's fine. Now I just do everything I possibly can to keep him from giving it to LeBron or giving it to AD. And I say, Russell Westbrook's going to take 30 shots for seven games. And if we lose, great. Russ beat us. And I realize it's not that simple. It's not going to say but his, it's pretty hard to do that. It, but, it, but it is as a strategy, you know, where throughout a series, like that's sort of the, I, I need to see, team. I need to see that pulled off when you're not accounting for one superstar teammate, but two, two. but your general no point, I understand what you're saying. You're, you right. These are just saying. sort of, these are, cause I don't even know what the team looks like yet. I mean, like, that's the thing too, is so much can change, but you know, it's, no. You, you Thursday, we, doing this, the, you know, the night that this trade was executed, these are the things that I'm worried about. And, and as a playoff contributor, the stuff that he's bad at feels like it's going to be more problematic. Or let me rephrase the stuff that he's bad at feels like it could be more problematic than the stuff that he's good at because it's harder to run in the playoffs. Teams wall that stuff off. They, they'll give up the boards. They won't crash the offensive glass. It is much harder to run. You are much more likely to find yourself in a half court than you are in that open floor thing. So that's one thing that's sort of mitigated. His impact in the half court as a pick and roll guy, like go under every single screen that limits what the Lakers can do with him as a, a pick and roll guard. Like all of this stuff in the playoffs seem yeah, to become more problematic. Because he does, and he doesn't do any of the stuff that helps them in the half court. Yeah, um, I have a feeling I mean, he's going to have to do it. He, does, he doesn't meet some of the needs that they have in the half court. Yeah, I mean, I, I could imagine they're going to try to make him in the half court like just an incredible cutter, an incredible off ball guy, like to keep track of stuff like right. that. But you're correct. Stationary, he does not really serve much of a purpose off ball. A couple For other a team that was a bad, a bad half court team. Yeah. So um, here, and then this is the other part of this. And Here's why I'm nervous, and unfortunately, at least the nerves around this probably only last you know two weeks, give or take, um, three maybe. There's a lot the Lakers theoretically need to do here, um, and it's not just fine shooting, Andy. It's they need wings, like badly. They badly need wings. Um, they need defenders, um, and all of all this stuff that they've done on on Thursday puts them in a box where not only now do you need shooting, you need shooting that can play with Westbrook, Davis, and LeBron. Like, you can't be a guy who's for the second unit. That's great. That's nice. It helps. But they need to find a shooter or two who can play with those three guys because otherwise that that's not going to help you very much in the postseason and fourth quarters when those are the guys who are going to be on the floor. So well, I mean, they have a lot that they need to do and very little ammunition left to do it. Yeah, I mean, look, a, a guy like Caruso, for example, they need the shooting that they've seen at times from him to be permanent. And, mm -hmm. you know, you, they tell him, look, at this point, your playmaking responsibilities are non-existent. We need you to be able to hit 38 to 42 percent from behind the arc automatic that is the only thing you need to worry about at all. That and play defense. That is play defense because he's going to have to be on the floor. Like sure, at least exactly. the Lakers are currently constructed, 
next to Russell Westbrook, who is you know still a, a, a an enthusiastic player, not a great defender anymore. No, no, um, no. but. You know, he try. I mean, he's going to work. He'll do it, but he's not. You know, I think, you can, I think on this team, he will be better than he's been in the past because everybody is. I, I felt right. the same way about Buddy Heald, by the way. Right. Um, that, I think that would have actually been more of a, of a real undertaking. But a couple other concerns I want to get into before we talk just a little bit about KCP and Kuzma. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as concerns go, by the way, all, I wasn't done. I'm going to save some of these for Sunday. Yeah, <laughs> I'm mean, we'll Monday's we, show. We've, we've got, got weeks. Exactly. We've got weeks. Um, a couple other concerns I have really quick. Just their top three guys now are all guys that there are c- questions about either mileage, a little bit of injury history or both. Mm-hmm. And, you know, on one hand, that's why three can be better than two when it comes to having your stars, you know, like the odds of hopefully keeping as much star power on the floor it's possible increases when you add one more legitimate superstar, but all three of them are guys that you have some legitimate concerns about staying on the floor. Sure, absolutely. Um, and then the other thing, really quickly, before getting into Casey. But I, by the way, that is part of the reason why depth is going to matter. Yes. Like, oh, it doesn't matter. Depth is going to matter a lot, and the Lakers are in a position now where building credible depth is going to be difficult. I mean, yeah. they have for people just to you know what we're talking about here, what they have left. And maybe we'll talk, you know, for Monday about maybe how they go about doing this stuff. They have the taxpayer mid-level. I think it's fair to say they're going to be in the tax. Uh, uh, Then they have minimum level, you know, veterans, minimum contracts, and they have potentially what you could get back in a sign and trade where you send out Schroeder, you send out Caruso, or you send out THT, um, and I think that might become slightly more likely now. If you're in win now mode, you need to bring stuff back. We'll talk about that maybe on on Monday. But that's really what you have. You can send those guys out if you have a sign and trades are very hard to construct. You have one exception, and that's in minimum level contracts. That's it. Yeah, I mean it's going to be a challenge for Rob Palenka. I mean, when you take a swing like this, you do it knowing that you're going to have to make up a lot on the back end. Um, the only other thing that I just wanted to uh, mention right now, and again, these are all things we're going to elaborate on more over the course of the week, but just Westbrook is not a guy that you think of as blendable. You know what I mean? Ooh. Like he's not somebody that you think of as, you know what, we're going to bring him into this mix and then just sit back and watch everything quietly coalesce <laughs> <laughs> because he's just like, he's the, opposite of somebody like Kevin Durant who you could drop Kevin Durant onto yes. any team and it'll work like LeBron in a lot of ways you can drop into any team and it'll work Westbrook though is not that guy which right. doesn't mean that it can't work but it does mean there's going to be a lot of work involved to make it work right we talked we talked about like DeMar DeRozan as an example of somebody who has some of the same some of the yes. same problems that he would bring, but is a much easier guy to integrate into what they were doing. But that gets back to the point I was making before. What do you do with these deeply elite, deeply excellent, and also deeply problematic players? Ben Simmons, Rudy Gobert, like how do you build? And the problem with Westbrook, I feel like, is you, he's the guy that you you figure out those pieces around. You know, you like, how do I assemble the best team? But he's, I don't think he's quite that good anymore to be that guy. And I don't think I agree with you that he adapts the other way. But we'll talk more about that maybe Monday and into next week. Um, KCP and Kuz going out 
is is kind of sad. I like those guys. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I tweeted this out at Cam Brothers, um, and uh, KCP. When you when you think about just his time with the Lakers, he went from being like a clutch tax punchline. You know, like when he was brought in, it was just tampering season, and he was there because he's a clutch client. He's the he's the pipeline to Rich Paul and LeBron, and you know the Mana from Heaven press conference with Rob Palinka, and he was just this walking, ready set punchline that look you and I engaged in many many times. It was low hanging fruit, and we were not above it. But he went from that punchline to catching just constant hell from Laker fans because of the wild swings in his plays. And at times, it got brutal. The early part of that championship season, it got really, really rough to watch KCP endure what was a a tough start to the season. Then he turned it around. It was fantastic. And then he became arguably the third best player on a championship team. Like those four years he had in L.A., were a pretty big roller coaster, but on balance, it's a really nice redemption story. That guy was popular in the locker room. His team—he really is a just a genuinely solid dude. I mean, and, and remember that, I'm know, not saying I know the guy well, but in the interactions that I had with him, just a there was, really there was the Seal these, Beach, you know, detention. You know, there's a reason. Thing, there's a reason like, he like guys like Frank Vogel and whatever, and his teammates stuck with him so deeply. Yeah, is because he's an easy teammate. So all he does is go out and work his ass off and and you know do what do what is asked of him to the best of his ability. And yeah. he, that's a, it is great. And then you know Kuz Kuz had a really interesting career with the Lakers too. Like when when he showed up there was so much excitement around Lonzo in the beginning. Lonzo Ball was second overall and you know Magic saying don't break all my records and you know the right. bar ball of it all and all, and all that stuff. And Kuzma ended up this found money sensation late in the first, late in the first round. You know, way more polished a score than anybody anticipated, and he had like a a real star personality. And then since then, he he's really had to adapt a lot in terms of what a team needed from him. And he became a very mature guy. I think mm-hmm. real, not that he arrived immature. But th- there was maturity that he gained as a professional that I thought was really cool to watch. I mean, I, I still don't know if he can be as good of a player as he thinks he can or, you know, as sort of statsy good as I think he pictures himself. But it's not going to be for a lack of effort. and It's not going to be for a lack of seriousness. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I, I, I'm interested. To, I'm really interested to see what he does in Washington with a little bit more space to operate and a little more freedom to be what he thinks he is. And we'll see. Um, Guarantee he's going to be happy with his uh, clothing options in DC more than yeah, Sacramento. No question. All right. Well, we went, we went a little long. Uh, we went a little long on this episode. Um, I think that is justified given that the Lakers traded for Russell effing Westbrook. Um, we might blow through the, the, the half hour mandate from HQ a few times <laughs> over the next couple of weeks. I think you'll understand. Uh, sorry, David, but um Wow. You like it, you don't like it. This was and will be one of the most fascinating moments in Lakers history. And oh, yeah. we are going to break the hell down of this moment uh, going forward. Uh, lots on the YouTube channel. Thanks so much for uh, for subscribing to that. We'll be back because next week 
uh, is when all the important stuff really starts now with reconstructing the the remainder of this team. Free agency begins next week, so we'll have all the analysis there, both on the podcast and the YouTube channel. So make sure you're uh, subscribed to all of it and you don't miss a thing. And we will see everybody next time. Have a great weekend.